I mean, what's pro football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the game, Sam. So Who cares about what people think about us? Yeah, I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo along with Sam Monson. Look at us in our new studio. We just kind of uh, stitched, it, stitched it together today. Yeah, But today. we're here. People are in the actual studio, so we're in the new podcast studio, which is going to be our home in the future. It isn't quite ready to be our home yet, but we're making it work. Yeah, so it's going to be great. I've got the uh, I've got the controls. Check this out. I could change the. Uh, I could just put myself on camera yeah. the entire time. Uh-huh. I could put you on camera to show show off your shirt, Sam. You were excited oh. about your your Heart Foundation shirt. Brett the Hitman Heart. Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Yeah. Oh, he's got a plus plus goatee. I right. see. Yeah, that's great. It's a pretty awesome shirt. Uh, but anyway, I can control the cameras. I could, uh, soon I'll be able to control audio and slides in the background. Yeah, I'm not sure great. how much we want you in control of all this stuff. Record buttons pressed. That's what I was worried right, about. Right, that is the big thing. I think the mics are on. People can hear us. You think, okay. Yeah. But um, anyway, we've got we've got a lot to talk about in our midweek show. It's our midweek show. Also, I've decided, you know, I'm a Josh Allen fan. You know, we got a three-game winning streak here the Bills, so I might just rock a Josh Allen jersey every now and again. Okay. Because why not? Um, we've got... Uh, a lot to talk about here on our midday show. We might, we, show. yeah, we can't touch the desk because we'll make sound through the microphone that people don't like. Because we, I have, like to hit. I know. <clears throat> I'm I reminding like to hit the microphone. We've so. had to, uh, we've had to move to these sort of hard stand mic things, which apparently, <laughs> according to the feedback from our last podcast, relay sound quite well when you touch the desk, and when you're sitting at this desk or the desk in there, you're pretty prone to do that. And by you, I mean everybody. Did um, I just? Cha- did somebody else change that? somebody change this remotely that would be bad anyway. i'm just saying be careful at hitting the desk you'll look, upset people look just bear with us as we transition <laughs> there's, there's gonna be just some, bear with us there's gonna be some kinks to work through today all right so it's our midweek show we're gonna preview all of the weekend action and tomorrow's thursday show of course but today we've got stefan gilmore traded tyler says move the mic closer to your big mush yeah he told yeah i got the note oh you got it okay you've already closer. done that i moved closer oh, okay i believe That's i did fine. Uh, i believe i did so uh, let me know if I have to go further. Send me another note, Tyler, if you need it even closer than this. Uh, Stephon Gilmore's been traded to the Carolina Panthers. We thought he was going to be released. We thought we were going to talk about his release, but just before we started recording, he got traded to the Carolina Panthers. And I think we'll probably do a little Rams Seahawks preview today. Yeah, you know, previewing the, it's one of the better Thursday night matchups of the week, so of the year. So let's get into this. We've got uh, Stephon Gilmore supposedly was going to get released. And now the Carolina Panthers trade for him just one week after trading for C.J. Henderson. Right. And if you want to hear a discussion on Jalen Smith being released, head to the PFF NFL Daily. We covered that. We debated this morning, right? There was the news. Stephon Gilmore is getting released. Bombshell by the Patriots. Is that an emergency daily? Is it a Wednesday podcast topic? What do we do? <gasps> so many like, places to, to give our takes. Let's go Wednesday. Let's go to the Wednesday show. Um, even though we're waiting a couple of hours because somebody might snag him. Somebody might trade for him knowing that he's now about to get cut. And that's exactly what happened. Rather than let him hit the open market and then compete with everybody else trying to get him. And honestly, like the analysis was, hey, look, Stefan Gilmore's kind of risky at this point, like 32 years old, coming off the worst season of his career since like year two. Um, a guy that plies his trade playing a lot of man coverage. It's not a gimme that he's, you know, a big upgrade for a team. Like you're not getting the defensive player of the year. You're getting whatever shell of that he currently resides in. Um, That being said, pretty much every contender in the NFL needs a cornerback. So it was a weird market of like, I don't know how many people want to give that contract or that amount of money for him, but a lot of teams should be interested. So Carolina throwing a pick New England's way, even if it's a really small one and like essentially nothing. It's a 2023 sixth rounder. Yes. So it's it's very small, but it guarantees them the player. Um, the downside being, A, you gave something up when you 
didn't necessarily have to, and B, you're taking on the contract that New England didn't want and pretty much nobody else was likely to want. And that was the key. Not every team could have been in the market. The Panthers were able to take on the contract, and that's a, very much a reason why the Stephon Gilmore thing happens, right? It's uh, not everybody can, can take that kind of money because they don't have the cap space for this year. The Panthers did. They've been aggressive in the cornerback market. They lost to J.C. Horn already, their first-round pick. And like I said, traded for C.J. Henderson. He's played one game for them, and they're going with Stephon Gilmore. I think it's good to define what Stephon Gilmore is, too. He's a cornerback, Steve. He's a cornerback. An NFL cornerback. He's also a guy, when he was in Buffalo, if you've got uh, premium stats 2.0 and your PFF Elite package, you go through his grades. He was pretty good in Buffalo. He's good in 2014 and 15, okay in 2016. But he really hit his stride when he got to New England. And a New England system... He got off to a slow start in 2017, a couple, couple coverage busts here and there. But since early 2017, he has been pretty much the best corner in the NFL. Now, that tapered off last year. But they did it in a, I mean, not just a man-heavy scheme, but one where they're playing man about 50% of the time. I mean, a ridiculous rate compared to the rest of the NFL. So the question is, Gilmore is, when he played under, with the Bills, it was... Uh, more variety in those i know the new england has variety but we're talking they played a lot more zone played a lot more off where where does he fit in uh to to carolina panthers team or other teams that could have been in the market here so i think he is actually a good fit now because you know we were concerned about what um how uh jc horn was going to fit into this defense because they had played a ton of zone last year they didn't seem like a, a team that played man coverage and needed that kind of corner jc horn comes in they obviously had this defined plan for him they trade for cj henderson he gets ripped to pieces by amari cooper last week i think there is a, a role for gilmore within this defense now it's going to be interesting to see what he has left because that's the big concern right i think it's a gamble worth taking for a lot of teams depending on the money and this is quite a lot of money but I don't think he has a ton left. On the other hand, I didn't think Casey Hayward had a ton left. The, the problem with corners is when you get a guy above 30 and he has a bad year, it's just it's two plus two equals four. You immediately think they're kind of done, right? Yeah. Cornerback is that position where athleticism is everything. And if you start losing a step, you're, you're game over. Now, I will say, so what I'm saying is there's precedent this year, let alone having to go back far of like a guy that people probably thought was over the hill and out of it, immediately bouncing back. And Casey Hayward is a first quarter all pro in the Raiders defense. And they got him for like, just picked him up for nothing. So there's precedent saying it's worth the gamble for a team, you know, who thinks they're contending to roll the dice, grab Stephon Gilmore. And if he bounces back to what he can be, like that's, that's as transformative as, you're, transformative as you're going to get in the middle of an NFL season. On the other hand, I do think there's a difference between a guy who's the, who, specialized generally in zone defense, you know, cover three type of systems versus Stephon Gilmore, whose primary calling card was being able to go man to man against a receiver, whether it was the number one or just the receiver they liked the matchup of, whatever, but go man to man, play that type of coverage and allow the defense to do everything else around him. I think that's slightly different in terms of expecting or projecting a bounce back. Uh, so the Panthers played as much zone coverage as any team in the NFL last year. They have yep. played more man this year. They're about middle of the pack as far as playing cover one. Again, that is Stephon Gilmore's specialty. That is where, in 17, 18, and 19, PFF coverage grades of 87, 90, 85. And doing it in, in a man coverage scheme where it is just, it's harder to grade that well in our system. It's just harder to be that good uh, playing man coverage in one-on-one. -on -one. You know, 20 pass breakups in, their two, in the Patriots' 2018 uh, Super Bowl season. Uh, allowing 44% of passes to be completed. I mean, he was attacked over 100 times in that 2018 season and just didn't give anything up. He was incredible. So um, it seems like a worthwhile risk at the bottom line, right, for a sixth round for a sixth round pick in 2023. It is. And if you look at where the Panthers are right now, with all the injuries and the fact, hey, they're three and one and they're trying to battle. Maybe they're you know they're a little better than we expected coming into the season. They're they're trying to make a move here. So that's what's kind of interesting. Like, how good does Carolina think they are? Do, do they think they're a contender this year? And I don't I don't mean that as a I mean, it sounds kind of pejorative, right? Like, hey, does especially that, coming from you, does that I team know. really think they're a contender this year? But like, seriously, do they think they're a contender this year? They got off to that hot start. They were three and zero. They hadn't really played anybody. When they did play somebody, they fell to three and one and didn't look great doing it. Like, do they think that actually this year we can contend and we can make the playoffs and we can make some noise once we get there? Because this is a <clears throat> 
This is a move. Where were you in the cough button there? Yeah, yeah, perfect. I'm not, I'm not no. pressing your mic. I'm not pressing the mic button. <laughs> we were, uh, I mean, the, so where, like. How good is Carolina? Yes. What do they think? Because this is a move for now. Like, this is not a long-term fix for a team. This is a move of, hey, we think we can be good this year. Things have not necessarily gone well at the cornerback position. Gilmore comes in. If it doesn't work out, we're in no worse a position. If it does work out, we're cooking because we just got, like, a top-level man corner. That's the move Carolina have made. And of all the teams that we were sort of speculating when we thought he was getting cut out right, they were teams for whom I think that made more sense, right? Green Bay is probably a team that's going to contend and wants to take that step. Dallas is a team that probably thinks they, they're going to contend I thought and wants Seattle. to take that step. Seattle's got the fifth worst, lowest graded corners in the entire NFL. Seattle, I mean, San Francisco. I, I could name half a dozen teams for whom I think it makes more sense than Carolina. Of course, the Bucs were in the mix because it's a star player. And anytime yep. there's a star player out there, the Bucs seem to be in the mix. Plus, they've got all the cornerback injuries. Carlton Davis will not be back for a while uh, on the outside as well. And even though they just made the Sherman move, well, the Panthers also just made the C.J. Henderson move. So, uh, clearly, they the Panthers have recognized a weakness. They're taking a shot on Gilmore. When you play in the NFC South, you have to play the Bucs. Yep. They they're they going to play later in the season. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Brady and the Bucs just missed Stephon Gilmore with the Patriots, but they will see him later in the year so you have to be able to you have to be able to cover you've got to be able to match up against some of those tough teams in the nfc so i I think the panthers are saying look we we are going to make a move we are pretty good we're rebuilding but they're also not tied to gilmore long term here that's the other piece of this so they figured it's uh it's worth a shot plus i guess you know when you're talking about a player and the only downside is like the contract if you have the room for the contract take it this year yeah right absolutely like it's only an issue if you're a, completely prohibited from making the move because you can't get that contract under the cap, or B, you know, it's going to be crippling long-term to take on that kind of deal. And Carolina's in neither situation, so for them, it really was effectively like just picking him up off the street once he'd been cut, right? Like, the only difference is you throw away a minimal pick, and you're good. What have you just done? Nothing. You just break something? This is like the, uh, this is like the Seinfeld view when George is talking to uh, George Steinbrenner. Uh-huh. And I'm Steinbrenner. We might do the whole podcast like this, just the back of my head talking to you. And I'll be Steinbrenner. He's yeah. never got to see his face. You just see the back of his head. Okay. So I'm Steinbrenner guy. I know you don't like Seinfeld, but, yeah. you know, that's your problem. Mm-hmm. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has a week five offer every football fan should jump on. Should I do this on the solo cam? Why not? Yeah. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets. If either team scores a point, that's right, the last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943. So I'd say that's a no-brainer. If Sportsbook isn't yet available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. And DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, Sam, and use promo code PFF. Throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's it. Either team just has to score a point. That's promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 1-800-GAMBLER must work in Indiana now. They don't have their own. They don't have their own 1-800-GAMBLER. Which is or with it or whatever it was. Which is um, great. Cuts it's a down. lot easier to uh, screw up shots with this system. You can, like, play around, you know? Yeah. Let's like, go back to go. Uh, Costanza Steinbrenner shot here. <laughs> we, uh, we need to tell people about the charity drive, 4.0. Yeah. And so <clears throat> sometimes I wear my Josh. I've decided to turn my Josh Allen jersey and maybe just like a regular part of the rotation here. Okay. Uh, but this is like a reminder of the last charity drive. I, I, I had to wear the Josh Allen jersey. Yeah. I had to sign the apology form. You did? Uh, since signing the apology form, what are they? You know, they, they're they're three and zero. You know, right yeah, yeah. So they're winning. They're winning. We're coming off a of forty. To Josh Allen victory. is three and zero QB wins since you signed the form. That's right. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm a Josh Allen fan. I'm just here. Victory. It's Victory Wednesday here, <laughs> as Bills fans. Um, so that was three charity drives in yeah. the books, and now the fourth one is up and going. So look, we have to thank the listeners and the watchers. Uh, we we are do. Th- we three three charity drives in. We've raised over eight thousand dollars, I think, so far between the three of them. I had a goal, you know, we write down these internal goals as part of our sort of continuous development, whatever, all the kind of uh, businessy, um, you know, technical HR craft that we have to do these days as a growing company, as opposed to when it was just, we appreciate you, Tanya. Absolutely. When it was just half a dozen of us getting by on like whatever. 
uh, we've got to do all these things. One of the goals I put down was I would like to be able to raise $10,000 in a calendar year for charity using this stuff, right? Um, so we're doing good things based off the following the how. We've raised 8,000 so far. The new target is up. It's 2,000. That would push us over the $10,000 goal that I had for the calendar year after just a few months, right? So three drives down. The first one was the Fro Show. If you go to my Twitter and scroll down a little bit, you'll see the sort of visual representations of the shows we've done so far. First one was the Fro Show. Steve turns up, has to wear a giant afro for the entire, wear it like it's his own hair. Rock the giant afro for the entire show. Amazing, frankly. Um, great. Two was Minor League Sam. I had to dress up in all your old baseball crap, had a ridiculous facial hair. That was pretty funny. Um, three was the Josh Allen apology jersey. Number four, what we have decided upon was so simple. It was staring us in the face the whole time. I, I know. Took, How did we not even think of that? Took a dude to, uh, to throw it out on Twitter. We had talked about the potential of uh, me trying to defend a dunk from you and getting posterized. That could be down the road, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, somebody else suggested, why not Sam just has to face down Steve as a pitcher in the batting cage? I just have you fire 10 pitches or whatever at me with a baseball bat and see if I can connect and or survive the encounter. Um, so that's what we're going to do. The details we're going to work out, you know, how many pitches, how it's all going to function. Uh, we, I think I like the idea of like us adding to the prize pool based off success or failure of yeah. pitching and or hitting. Um, but that's essentially the idea, right? I'm going to face down minor, minor league pitching Steve, who's going to be firing baseballs at me like a human howitzer. Um, I was thinking about this. Don't I, overrate my 39-year-old arm here. I'm just, look, of you may have lost something in the intervening years between minor league, you know, on the fringes of the majors and now, right? I think that's fair to say. Yes. You know, the way you get like an old car and it started off with like 400 horsepower. And by the time it's 30 years old, it's got like 220. You know, they just, they leave. Yeah. The horses bolt the barn. Right. So I suspect you've lost some horsepower in the old arm. I have. On the other hand, I was thinking about this. I think I've swung a baseball bat 10 times in my life and they all happened within a 10 minute period several years ago at a, a stag weekend thing. It's like a bachelor party. Yeah, yeah, bachelor party. Yeah. So there was a place in Ireland where it's like a warehouse, right? And it was sort of divided up into, into like eighths and each eighth was like a different sport. So you would, and you would work your way down and get points everybody and then the one with the most points wins. So there was like, you know, a, a goal set up where you would drop kick rugby balls, right? And you'd have five goals or whatever, that's your rugby one. It was hurling. You have to fucking scoop the thing up and belt it through the, the way hurling people do that I've never been able to do in my life. There was baseball where they had like a pitching machine. You just stood there and they, it was 10 pitches fired your way and you had to see how many you could hit. So I believe that's the only 10 times in my life I've swung a baseball bat. Yeah, this could get ugly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, need, as long as I have a helmet and probably some kind of elbow protection. We I'm were okay. looking up my minor league stats. I hit 37 batters. Right. And my, my question to you is how many were deliberate? Zero. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, you know, you got to pitch inside. You got to go in out. And that, inside, having seen you throw a football, doesn't shock me in the slightest. What do you mean? You may still have quite an amount of power in your arm, but it is quite scattered gun in yeah, terms certainly. of accuracy. Uh, as long as I use my legs, stay within my mechanics, I'll, I probably won't hit you. I'm thinking we should try to do it on a field. I'd like to have yeah, a yeah. catcher. And video, like this yeah. will all be videoed. Yeah. It'll be on the I, podcast. We might even create like a standalone video for YouTube, like Renner's 40-time thing. Yeah. Everything, I also, everything will be done. I also don't want to have Tommy John or surgery? shoulder surgery. So I'd like to kind of build up the arm a little bit. Or do you want me to just kind of like roll out of bed and do this? I, I mean, I'm, look, I'm also thinking of your safety. If I have a couple... A few, You're, like a little bit of time to get my mechanics down and not... You have that kind of... Uh, it's quite ironic, actually, for a man that's won the Bull in the China Shop award at the PFF internal thing for, yeah. you know, two or three years running. But you have quite a... Oh dear, must be careful of the little people thing. Like you, you're like I don't want to hurt people. Gulliver yeah. and the Lilliputians, you know. You're just oh, I, I don't, I can't step on them. That's like, me playing basketball. I throw elbows you in all, a lot in, in, in all like scenario. You're very yeah. conscious of yeah. the like horrendous damage you could do to the regular size humans yeah. if a stray limb flies into their you know little soft, in, into little their soft vicinity. on the basketball court and everything. So yeah. you, you know when we were playing like one on one in the basketball, like you were horrendously concerned about clacking me in the head with an elbow. Uh, and here it's like, oh, I might hit, it might hurt. I'm just saying, I'm, if I have hit some people, 
I don't doubt that. Mostly for, righties. <laughs> I, don't doubt, righties. I don't doubt that for a second. My point is simply, if you give me a helmet and probably something to avoid my elbow splintering into pieces, okay. at that point, I think I'm okay. Right. Like, I'm as not saying... I have a catcher. I need a catcher. I need a nice catcher target to throw right. to. I'm not saying yeah. it, you won't hit me, and I'm not saying that won't hurt, but at that point, I'm relatively confident that no serious damage will be done. Well, I'm ready for this. I'm ready. I'm, I'm yeah. excited. I think it's a great idea. We're doing it for the for the animals. Where, yeah, animals. Where's it going? Uh, that's a good question. Where are we going? This is for It's going to be It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to see this. It's for a group called Best Friends Animal Society. So COVID world, everyone was locked down for like a year. So everyone got a puppy, including us, right? This was like puppy. a million new dogs that everybody got. And then when everybody went back to work, like half of them got dumped back in shelters. Like people suck. I mean, okay, there's some people for whom your circumstances change and you really, you know, you, there are there is an inevitability through a of a small section of people that they have to give a dog back. It's a lot of other people, though, that are just kind of assholes and never budgeted what it actually meant. And they're just, they just don't have the commitment to keep hold of the dog. So anyway, a <clears throat> ton of these things get brought back to shelters and most animal shelters, not most, a lot of animal shelters, they just kill the thing, right? So you bring this dog back, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm giving it a better life. I can't look after it. But really what happens is this thing like deals with the dog for a week and then they get killed. So there's like this ton of animals right now getting put down because people just aren't looking after them since they go back to work. The uh, Best Friends Animal Society is trying to essentially create a world where no pet is ever destroyed simply because they're stuck in a shelter and people couldn't look after them. So I think that's a really good place to send money. Um, we will that's who we're raising money for and in addition to that if you don't care about the animals um or just for know, the comedy just right. for the fun if you're just in it for the giggles that'll be fun too because there's a pretty good chance that i get beaned with a baseball from a dude that used to used to pitch in the minor leagues and there's a smaller chance that i accidentally connect with one of these things and a former minor league pitcher gets beamed out of the... embarrassed. You're right, gets yeah. blasted out of the park by some guy you, who's never swung a bat before. I sent you a picture of the, the worst slider in baseball history yeah. on Twitter. I mean, if I give you that hanging slider, I you think might... I think I hit that. You might hit it. It just kind of spawned. So and... what I discovered is that... I, so as I say, 10 times in my life, maybe I've swung a baseball bat. It is not Expert. dissimilar to a golf swing, though. Like, it's it's actually a very similar swing, just on a different plane. Like, it is. Down, and I, I don't have a bad golf swing. Now, I don't play golf. Yeah, I don't think you realize how tough it is to hit a baseball. I'm just saying, it's look. It's just really When this thing in, in a warehouse fired 10 balls at me, I think I hit a reasonable number of them. It's really difficult. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's get into... You, uh, so You didn't make it look that hard. Check out... I, I, have a, I have a hit in minors. No, I don't mean you hitting. I mean the people hitting you. Oh, no, that's true. That's true. I, could, I can hit the barrel of the bat pretty well as a pitcher. So maybe I'll make you look good. Um, anyway, so check out – it's your pin tweet. So it's my pin tweet pin right soon. now. You'll pin it. Um, we will put it in the descriptions of the podcast as well. I know that's more of a pain in the ass if you're listening than if you're watching on YouTube. But the description will be there to find, um, and you can go to the GoFundMe, donate money. All right, let's get into some of the NFL, uh, other NFL stuff. Justin Fields, officially named <laughs> what is the happening? number one quarterback after Monday's press conference in which Andy Dalton was named the starter as long as he's healthy. Yes. By the same human, like yeah. 48 hours ago. By Matt Nagy. Um, big What's Cat. Changed? Barstool Big Cat had a tweet that I think summed this up, right? So, Sports Center, the Bears announced that Justin Fields are starting quarterback going forward. Big Cat's reaction. Wait, what? Why is this announced right now? I mean, this is awesome, but how does Matt Nagy make even the easy things confusing and weird? Which kind of does sum it up. Like, literally 48 hours ago, on the heels of Justin Fields looking really good against uh, Detroit and giving the city of Chicago hope for the first time in a long time. And, you know, all the good feeling that was built up there. Nagy wanders into his press conference, just pours a bucket of ice water all over the top of that and goes, nope, as soon as Andy Dalton's healthy, he's still the starter. And even if that was true, everyone was like, why would you say that out loud? Un like, what? Why? And then 48 hours later... It reverses it, and it's Justin Fields, the starting quarterback. And a quote uh, from cousin Doug, Doug Kite. Yeah, yeah. Doug. Uh, Matt Nagy on, on naming Justin Fields starting quarterback. He's done everything to show us he's ready for this opportunity. What has he done in the last 48 hours to make you change? What? Maybe he looked good in uh, the meeting room. Yeah. He you know, really like, nailed those Monday meetings. He recited the game plan back. It's not that. even Monday's probably a day off. Like, yeah, I know. He's had one meeting I'm day. I'm making stuff up. 
Uh, Matt Nagy was told, hey, listen, can we give the fans some hope, please? Can you please stop pushing Andy Dalton? I was behind. Seriously, this kind of has to be a decision from not him, right? I was behind the Dalton stuff at the beginning of the season. Because, you know, I've never, I've never changed my tune that roll with Dalton as long as you want. I don't care. Go as long as you want. But at some point, you just you pass it over to Fields when you feel like he's he's ready. And it's like, it just it's just feels like it's time, right? It's time. Is it, it though? But, because the Raiders are playing, you're playing the Raiders next. And then you're playing a bunch of other teams that can rush the passer, kind of. Like, look, so what the difference between Justin Fields the first time and Justin Fields his second game, I think was far more the difference between the Cleveland Browns defensive line and the Detroit Lions defensive line than it was what about the, the easy, difference between Nagy and the and play, a new play caller. What about the easy narrative? That's the easy narrative. Everybody and man. There's but that's the one nobody's using. Everyone no, else is using the play calling narrative. Yes. There's no nuance here. Matt Nagy called plays against the Browns and Didn't, it's all his yeah. fault. It's all his fault. Right? So then Bill Lazor's calling plays against the Lions and it's and it's, it's all Justin Fields finally right. being put in position to succeed. So if he has a bad game against the Raiders and Matt Nagy's not calling plays, then mm -hmm. who's, who's fault Look, is it? There's, Why is everybody trying to absolve Justin Fields of anything here? There are, there, there's a couple of strands to this. The first one is just does Justin Fields give you a better chance to win the game uh, if you're the Chicago Bears? Because that's what people always say, right? Who gives you the best chance to win? That, I don't think, is the same answer for every opposition. I think Justin Fields gives you a far better chance to win a game versus the Lions than Andy Dalton does. I think he gives you less chance of beating a team like the Browns than Andy Dalton did because as much as that was a no-hope game, like the way their defense line dominated. You're going to keep playing this? Yeah. Their defense dominated, so I don't think any game plan had any shot, right? I think the Bears were dead in the water in that game. But I think they were less dead in the water if Andy Dalton was the starting quarterback than if Justin Fields was. I don't think Justin Fields, at this point, is capable of executing the game plan that you need to survive that kind of complete overwhelming onslaught. Now, the problem is that overwhelming onslaught has a pretty good chance of materializing against the Raiders. It's got a pretty good chance of materializing against the Bucks. Uh, the Steelers, the Ravens, all of whom are upcoming in the next few weeks. So Yeah, we're going to learn a lot. We're going to learn a lot here. And then the second question is, so regardless of which one gives you the best chance to win, does putting Justin Fields out against one of those teams who are potentially going to completely swamp your offensive line, does that damage him? Is that a problem long-term? Steve Young on Monday Night Football was talking about from personal experience, and to be fair, he has quite a lot of personal experience in this area, of, you know, you, you start off, you're getting destroyed, you're getting wrecked, the opposition's way better than you are, and then eventually you, you're drowning, right? Eventually you get your head above water. And then once your head's above water, you can breathe, and you start to get a little bit better and a little bit better, and then all of a sudden you're a Hall of Fame quarterback and everything's good, right? Now, the usual flow. Right, yeah. exactly. So A, that's a very specific and unique situation to Steve Young. And B... He didn't really get his head above water until he got the hell out of Tampa Bay. It's not like, you know, Steve was on the way in, in Tampa and, you know, just another six months and we would be talking about that, the same Hall of Fame quarterback. This was the dude that had kind of flamed out at that point and the 49ers bring him over and all of a sudden the situation's a lot better and it's easier for Steve. To me, that is the biggest mistake analysts make is compared to their career. Right. But my it is, it's what they're hired to do. Yes. But when you project that on players, it's like Kurt Warner coming out and be like, look, you, everybody just needs, you got to go to the arena league for a few years. All you you got to bag groceries for a few years to find you need, yourself yeah. and then you'll become a Hall of Famer. All you need is a summer tossing chickens in, in the Kmart. Right. And, and that's what really makes you appreciate life in it, the NFL. And I'm not saying Kurt Warner does. I think Kurt Warner has excellent analysis. And sure. I think Young has his moments as well. I just think it's a big mistake when you only compare Agreed. it to your specific career. But I also think it's – I also think, like, he's essentially saying, if I hadn't been traded from Tampa Bay, I was still on the way, Right. I think there's a pretty good chance if Steve Young never made it out of Tampa Bay, I mean, if you want nobody to talk, would know who Steve Young is anymore. Look, again, there's no nuance ever in the world anywhere. And people who like a quarterback think he's great. People who don't like him say, oh, system quarterback. Sure. But if there is a world where a system continually elevated quarterbacks, it's the West Coast system of the 80s and 90s. Yeah. It is Bill Walsh and that entire tree taking Joe Montana and Steve Young and Brett Favre 
and making them some of the most efficient passers in the NFL. So yes, that situation was certainly was a big part of Steve Young's but development. The, not even like my point is almost the other side of it. It's not that he ended up going to a great system and when he did that, everything was good. It's if you had kept him, if you had kept him in the system where he was getting destroyed because everything in Tampa was bad, the personnel, the coaching, the scheme, the whole thing was a disaster and he was getting wrecked. Like if you had kept him there, you're telling me he still would have succeeded just through just through the durability, like through the experience of playing through that. Because he's essentially making the point of you throw him into the fire, and then if he's good, he will eventually overcome those flames and become great. Because I did, right? I, I mean, is that really how it went down for you, Steve? I'm not 100% convinced that's how it happened. And I, I would say there's a pretty good chance that if you were, if you were left in the fire rather than rescued from it and transported to San Francisco, you would have eventually burned up to a crisp the way everything else does. Yeah, I think that <clears throat> I don't disagree. I, I, now, as we look at Fields and what we expect from him, he's probably going to have to drop back more than 20 times like he has both of the last two games. Mm -hmm. There's going to be more on his plate. Uh, the narrative will shift again if he is. But I think, I think we'll see a hybrid of what we saw last week and the week before, right? There'll be some bad. He'll still probably take some sacks. And show off the arm talent four big time throws on 20 dropbacks where it was just spectacular uh as far as what he's able to do see a window yeah hit it throw with accuracy throw with touch and the whole thing so uh, we'll have more on fields and previewing this weekend's game of course on the thursday show tomorrow um the one game we do want to preview though is ram seahawks let's see do you have anything else on fields well just to put it like on? just to to wrap it up right i i do think that that's a discussion the only discussion that has any merit at this point is does putting Justin Fields out there in games where he is getting destroyed benefit him or does it hurt him? Look, because your your this take that you've been on since the beginning of the season that like Teddy Bridgewater is going to play the easy games and Drew Locke's going to play the bad games. It just feels situation. like but you're kind of leaning toward this whole like oh, you know, I don't want to It's like it's I the exact protect. opposite in fact. You want to protect Justin Fields and against good pass rushes basically. Yeah. Because we just saw what happens when you don't. The Browns game happens. Like, you're telling me, if he has seven more games like the Browns game, are you telling me that doesn't damage his future? To me, you're either all in or you're all out. He's either, you either think he's learning on the, he's going to learn. That's what I'm saying. But there's a situation, like. Or he's not. He's not learning from the Browns game. What did you learn from that? It's probably more damaging if you start looking at the schedule and be like, oh, the Raiders have, oh, Max Crosby's playing really well. I'm going to go Dalton. But what you can't not factor in what would happen if he has to play five more Browns Oh, games. the Bucks are coming up. Sorry, Justin. Uh, Vita Vey is he's 350 Look, pounds. Even if it's oh, not. Oh, no, the Steelers are coming up. They like to blitz a lot. They have TJ Watt. Sorry, you're not coming up. You're just afraid of every NFL team? Not every NFL team. Look, the, this Lions was... coming up on the schedule. Thanksgiving. Justin, you're coming back Thanksgiving. How can you mock this as a concept after seeing it in action? Like, it's one thing in the abstract to be like, oh, you can't be afraid of NFL defenses. And then you saw the Browns game, and you're still being like, oh, you can't be. <laughs> Why not? He got murdered in that game, and the Bears offense got one passing yard. Like, this is a thing that has to be considered from this point on, because the Browns don't have the best defense in the NFL. There are better defenses than the Browns. And he plays a couple of them, right? I get it. So you have to factor that in. Even if it's not, like, even if it's not... Uh, like taking him back and starting somebody else in that game but like it might be a Tua situation where you're saying we might need to be prepared to take him out of the game if we run up against one of these teams and we have one yard by halftime I, I think all of your your question before the season was like is it more damaging to take him out at some point yes I think it probably is you I, think I just, it's more damaging to rescue him from the Browns game than to keep with I him I think when, you, when it's time to go it's time to go Whenever they decide it's time for him to be the guy, it's time for him to be the guy, and you take your lumps and you go. I think there is a huge chance that playing multiple games like that Cleveland game is maybe not irreparably damaging, but sets a player back significantly. And if you then, can protect him from so that, So what would you your should. strategy be? You're just not going to play him? Well, I don't think you can do what... If it was me making the calls... I, for a start, I wouldn't have come out on Monday and said, well, Dalton's the quarterback, and then I wouldn't have reversed it 48 hours later. Um, That's a good start. Thanks. I I mean, I, I, I would have kept freaking quiet until later in this week and then seen how Andy Dalton was. I don't think the Raiders is the worst team in the world to put him out there against. I think their pass rush is a little bit overblown, and it's not as good as it looks. On the other hand, it's been beating up on bad offensive lines, so it might still beat up on the Bears. 
I think you put them out there against the Raiders and see and you see what it looks like. But if they haven't got a plan in place for what happens if this thing is like the Browns game, they're out of their minds. Plan being the hook. Yes. The hook and like the, okay, this is like, we might have to sit you for a while. You guys can change the camera. You guys can change it from the, send me a message. People are coming in overriding you. Bark it, wants if, it is tough to keep up with the camera stuff. Like hit on the pipes. Like uh, we could have uh, Morse code. The, they could use the Slack chat. That's true. To, uh, we have developed past Morse code on the pipes. Particularly unless, as neither unless of Unless I accidentally pressed it, but I think somebody's overriding me. I don't know about you, but I don't speak Morse code. I don't. I know SOS, if that helps. You know this Morse code on uh, the Green Monster, Fenway Park? I, I didn't, know. Gene and uh, Gene Yaki and whatever is Tom Yaki says their name. Morse code. Go Red Sox. They won last night. Okay. Yankees game. Did I you like that? No, I don't know who those people are. Didn't you enjoy that? Didn't you enjoy that? I, I didn't, know. All right. Before we get into, we'll, we'll wrap up. We will put a bow on the bow. Bow on the bow? On Justin Fields. But first, we, reminder, it's a football podcast. It's football season, baby. You know what that means. What does it mean? It means we're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show. Manscaped, they're back. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier. And it's never. time for you to join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using promo code PFF at manscapes.com for 20% off plus free shipping. It's three and out the window with all the other trimmers. Are there even other trimmers in this no. space? It's no, all no. Manscaped anyway. Go tame that wildcat cat, wild offense, Sam. Uh, look, everybody needs this. It's over two million men. It's the best. It's the best trimmer on the market. We've been we've been here since the 1.0. We're here to the 4.0. It's better than ever. It's brand new. That's this lawnmower 4.0. It's here to take your defense to the next level. This fourth fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Nobody likes those. Nobody. Thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. All these things are trade. They've got little trademark symbols next to them. That's how you know Manscaped is legit. They have literally trademarked the industry. When it comes to men's grooming, Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on off switch that can engage a travel lock, and it gives you the ability to turn the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof as well? That's right, rain, snow, or sleet, doesn't matter where you are, it's no match for the waterproof power of the 4.0. And as the fans pointed out to me, they liked this line. There's no 15 yard penalty for this clipping. That's right. No 15-yard penalty. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus well, with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the promo code PFF. Stiff arm your pubes out of the playoffs this year with Manscaped. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's the best line. I like, take <laughs> The clipping thing is nice. I take some poetic license at times yeah. with these. Other times you stick... Uh, you stick, stick to what you, you read script. what's on the card. Yeah. Just yeah. stiff arm them right out of the way. Look, Manscaped.com, promo the, code is PFF. The clipping thing is good, but that was outstanding. Uh, anything else on this Fields thing? I, I, you, I, I don't know what your solution is. So I don't have. I, coming I, up, I it's Raiders. You. Just see what happens against the Raiders. Be yeah. ready to pull. See what happens against the Raiders. If he keeps his head above water, let's roll with this. And let's Raiders, see if he... Packers, Bucks, 49ers, Steelers, Ravens. You could go through any of those teams. Like The, the Packers have like the least scary... Yeah defense out of that group. this is what look i this is the point i made a week ago like if he was bad against the lions he wasn't going to play again until the next lions game in like late november minimum yeah. because every one of these See defenses can scare you i think that's when but playing. he played well against the lions so the question is well what do you do with that because we've now seen him drown against the browns who just dominated we've then seen him be pretty successful against the lions defense who have no corners and can't rush the passer as well and he dropped some dimes in there so what do you do with that information when you know that the teams upcoming are not as are as much better than the Lions, right? You can't do anything with it. Now you have to put him out there and see how he gets on against a team like the Raiders. And if if you get to halftime in that game and he has, you know, three passing yards, he's been sacked more times than he's, you know, completed passes, the entire offense is grounded in, in the dirt and they're like 20 points down, don't send him out for halftime. That's not helping anybody. On the other hand, if he's looking okay, if he's keeping his head above water, all right, let's see what we can do here. He's better than Andy Dalton in terms of what he can bring, big plays and all those kinds of things. So let's push through this and let's get going. And but you, you and can't you think, like, and you think this is the best strategy for his long-term development? Yes, because I don't think that like if if he sucks against the Raiders and if it looks like another Browns game, you are saying there's a pretty good chance that one. Two, three, four, five, six, seven straight, or seven out of eight straight, 
seven out of eight games are going to be him getting annihilated. I cannot think that that doesn't damage a quarterback of any caliber. Steve Young, Kurt Warner, Justin Fields, whoever. You put them in that situation, that's damaging. What do you do next year? And you look at this week one, they have the Rams again, and they you just you're gonna play like when when is he ready? Just week or two you throw him in? I don't know, but like yeah, at some point you have to actually play him. Yeah, at some point. Right. But like in theory in the offseason you're gonna have a chance to overhaul an offensive line that sucks. I would hope so. Like so you can actually like attack the problem from other places than Justin Fields, in addition to, you know, maybe maybe some people on the coaching staff and or upper management aren't there next year. That that is possible. All right, let's wrap this show up with uh, the first preview of this weekend. It's Rams and Seahawks. It's it's a Thursday night battle. Usually on Thursday nights, you get what? What was uh, was it last week? Two weeks ago, you get Texans Panthers. People don't get that. Excited. Davis Mills Texans. The Davis Panthers. Mills game. This is a this is a Thursday game to get behind. Rams Seahawks. The two and zero Seahawks. The three and one Rams. Rams coming off their first loss of the season against the Arizona Cardinals. We've talked all off season about how good the NFC West is. So we got a primetime game with between these two teams. Rams owned the Seahawks last season. You know, this was uh, Russell Wilson cooking and ready to break the touchdown record last year. He was finally going to get an MVP vote, and then he ran into the Rams three times in the second half of the season, including the playoffs. So the Rams had the Seahawks number last year. The Seahawks hired Shane Waldron from Mm -hmm. the Rams to run the Seahawks offense, which has been interesting. I mean, it's been a little up and down. If you just use EPA per play, they're middle of the pack as far as offense goes. Russell Wilson has been good. But they've created some big plays. So uh, it's been a top-heavy Seahawks offense so far. Their defense has some issues, whereas the Rams, a week ago we were talking about them as the best team in the NFL, and then they kind of lay an egg against the Arizona Cardinals. So what are you looking for here in this Rams-Seahawks battle? Uh, Well, the first thing is, so Aaron Donald is coming off the worst game of his entire career by PFF grades. He had a grade of 51. Somebody tweeted this at us. I don't remember who it is. I apologize. Somebody else internally came up with it independently as well um it, it i mean this that was the worst game the most non-factor aaron donald has ever been in a game judging by pff grades uh for his entire career which is madness actually but aaron donald has traditionally owned the seahawks offensive line yes like absolutely destroyed it uh, because they've never had any kind of quality guard play uh so like is this a massive bounce back game from donald yes okay so that's a big part of this whole thing right donald that Rams defense is contingent on two players playing well. If Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey don't play well, the Rams defense has some issues because they don't really have talent elsewhere. Um, and last week, that was one of the things that happened. Donald was a non-factor in the game. That was so, just his pass rush grade. I mean, he, he did grade well uh, in the run game last week. Right. For whatever But the worth. 51.5 pass rushing grade, two total pressures, that's essentially the on worst performance rushes. he's had yep. Yep. Uh, in the NFL. Um, if he's not a bigger factor than that, they have some issues if he is a bigger factor than that and usually he is a much bigger factor than that against seattle that puts the defense back on an evil even keel again um then the next thing is you know can the seahawks defense do the kind of job on the rams passing attack that the cardinals were able to do which was shut down those explosive big plays deep down the field uh the cardinals have been the best team in the nfl at doing that the seahawks have not Right. So if that's another area where like there's a pretty good chance the Rams bounce back in that regard. And if they do, you know, all of a sudden Seattle is in trouble. Like Seattle's defense in terms of explosive pass plays allowed is 24th. The Cardinals are number one. Uh, speaking of explosive plays, that was the number I wanted to pull up. But through the lens of the Rams defense, we've been on here just talking about them in glowing terms for the last year. They play, they play too high safeties they rotate their safeties they disguise coverage they invite the run and don't give up big plays all of that's been true and here's the number that stands out unbelievably if you take all of 2020 in the first two weeks of 2021 the rams gave up 78 pass plays of 58 15 plus yards so explosive 15 plus yard pass plays almost four per game second best in the nfl as far as just total during that time that's a 20 game total that includes the playoffs last year and the whole thing over the last two weeks, though, they've given up 17 plays like that. That's eight and a half per game. So from four per game, more than double of those explosive plays against the Bucks two weeks ago and then against the Cardinals this week. So the, the question from me is, is this the normal defensive regression that we always talk about? And it's like, it's not like the Rams. I just mentioned they played the Seahawks three times last year. The Seahawks, DK Metcalf Seahawks, right? They, 
had opportunities to give up big plays against good offenses and they shut it down. They played the Packers in the playoffs, right? The Rams did play good teams along the way here, but the Bucks, the Bucks created some explosive plays a, a little bit late in the game too, but the Cardinals owned them last week. So the, will the Rams defense overall bounce back and do what they do best, which is Donald who you mentioned, but also just the ability to not give up those big plays that Seattle is, you know, that's what, that's what butters their bread, Sam. This is also one of those games where, um, you know, when you get a, an elite receiver, an elite cornerback, everyone wants to see them go up against each other. And then you get to these games, and a lot of the times they just don't because, you know, they're not, the corners don't track receivers or whatever it is. So Jalen Ramsey versus DK Metcalf, one-on-one -on -one is like a dream matchup just to watch, right? Yep. But Jalen Ramsey is not tracking receivers this year. They're using him in that slot role where he's playing there, I think, like 55% of his snaps. But Raheem Morris said he might. And I, I, know, I don't know why they he said would even that, come out and say that. I'm pretty sure they've people have speculated last week with DeAndre Hopkins as well it was going to happen. And it's just – it's something – it's like the quarterback thing, right? Like, why would I tell you we're not doing it on a Tuesday before a game? Like, figure it out yourself. I'm going to leave it open. Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe. But if we do see DK versus Jalen, that's an amazing matchup. And if we don't, you know, we'll be sad. We will be sad. Uh, last week, last year, DK did get behind him at least once. There may have been a two where Russ overthrew him. So as much as we talk about the Rams not allowing those big plays, there were some there were some opportunities that yeah. the that the Seahawks left on the table there. Then the other question is the Seahawks' defensive backfield. You talked about explosive plays from their angle where they have not been good. They put Sidney Jones out there last week. He was the one who had the busted coverage on the Depot Samuel. 76-yard, wide-open touchdown. Sidney Jones with a 30.3 coverage grade. The Seahawks have the fifth-worst graded cornerbacks in the NFL so far this year. And you have a Rams offense that, look, Stafford's playing solid football. He's coming off his worst game, but he's playing well. The offense overall has been good. Cooper Cup's been pretty much unstoppable. Yeah. I mean, it has to. It, it's going to be a shootout, right? It does feel like it should be. Um, I do anticipate the Rams offense getting back on track because I don't think Seattle is capable of doing the things to them that the Cardinals were last week. Um, and the Cardinals had their way with the Rams uh, defense. So the only thing that would prevent it, I think, being a shootout is that I think Donald, right? Is Donald and Jalen Ramsey should be better this week than they were a week ago. And I don't know if Seattle has enough to overcome that and keep it cooking. It's in Seattle. Rams are favored by two and a half. Yep. In Seattle. I mean, that's in the over under is 54. So, I mean, even Vegas is expecting a lot of points between these two teams. That might be the highest total of the entire week here. Uh, I believe it is. Yes. 50, there's a couple 52 and a half, 53 and a half, 54 and a half is the, the highest total of this entire week. So, between the Rams offense, the Seahawks offense, but also. The, the Seahawks defense, again, being a part of this, I just think I think the Rams offense looks great in this game. And I think the Rams hype continues because it's, a, it's, a, it's an island game. It's prime time. Uh, I think Russ is just going to have to be special if they're going to, yeah. uh, if they're going to pull this one. Yeah, off. I mean, it really does feel like one of those games where, yeah, if the, if the Seahawks are going to hang with the Rams, they're going to need Russ to have an amazing game, which he's entirely capable of doing. But that's what it comes down to for them to be – in a shootout. Uh, so where, where do you want to go as far as... We'll do, we'll do our picks. We'll do our, everything for this game today. We'll preview all the games tomorrow. Where are you going to go with your pick here? Rams by two and a half as of this Wednesday afternoon recording. Uh, picking the Rams, picking them to win and cover on the road. I think I want to as well. Hmm. I want to do the same thing. Seattle, again, they're two and two. Uh, it completely changes the division if Seattle wins. Both teams are three and two. Seahawks finally... Uh, you know, overcome the Rams who owned them last season. Uh, Cardinals are still 4-0 in that division. Ram uh, 49ers are lurking. And I think, you know, the more we see Trey Lance, the more they're just kind of, the 49ers end up becoming this massive wild card in that division, don't they? Where you just don't know if Trey Lance has taken them to the next level or if his rookie, you know, bumps and bruises end up slowing down the 49ers. But it, it remains, I think, the best division in football. So should be an awesome matchup for, uh, for Thursday night. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Rams bouncing back here. I think that's it. Okay. Anything else you want to touch on here today? Uh, I'm I'm kind of curious why this room is pouring sawdust out over us. Is it? Doesn't feel like a great development. It's dropping sawdust. Yeah. Can is you not see the in haze in the air? Like this is looking. Well, like let me just say, it's um, looking like a Cheech and Chong podcast at this point. There's a lot of pressure on me doing the the camera thing. Yeah. 
It's a lot of pressure. Well, it's I tough can... to it's tough to think about everything and move the cameras around. I mean, if you need, I do like the ability that I own your mic here. I can cut your mic at any time. You can cut this. You've cut it now. What am I speaking? No, you're on. Oh, you're I'm on. on. I can I cut thought, your mic at any time. I thought I you were can, giving a a. I can also go if the monologue show that I always dream of. I yeah. can just take you out of it at any point. It's just me and you, fans, viewers, viewers, listeners. It's just me and you. Okay. I can do that at any point. So I got a lot of power here, which is great. But it's a lot of pressure as well. Um, some of the stuff that we can do. We get this beautiful screen here. We can yeah. bring in guests on this screen. We can. We can have uh, graphics. And you know, yes. game previews and various things. When like we that. get up and running properly, I think what we're going to have here is like helmet versus helmet for the games we're talking about each week. And then the people that get on the comments and are like, where are my timestamps? You get a lot really angry about it, particularly yeah. on the YouTube, right? Okay, we might be, we'll still have the timestamps. You know, they might come a little bit after the show goes up, but they'll be there. In the meantime, you will be able to visually see what game we're talking about by the helmets on. The TV. Yeah. And listen, uh, the people that want timestamps, we we agree. We just, we can't always get them right yeah. when the show By the way, out. they will always be there. They we will be there. We'll yes. just, sometimes it takes a little bit of time between, you know, putting we, the show up and the timestamps. We appreciate up. the timestampers. We understand you want to go listen to your team or whatever it is. Um, so we will always accommodate you. Yeah. Make sure that happens. So, uh, so let us know. What do you think of the new studio and uh, ideas and different things we could do here? Appreciate everybody once again for what you've done in these charity drives previously we've got the next charity drive over in sam's pinned tweet and i'll be tweeting oh, it out as well yeah the other thing i meant to ask i need somebody needs to give us something to photoshop to put in that thing at the moment it's just like a holding picture of you on the mound about to deliver that worst so, pitch you've ever seen so yeah so i we need somebody to give us something photoshopped right some kind of photoshop representation of you firing a ball at me waiting that you know with standing there with the bat ready to ready to Knock it out of the park, Steve. Yeah. Ready to hit that home run. I love that you tweeted out you're going to step up to the to the batter's plate, yeah. you said. Yeah. And people were like, you know, what? As if it's not like a running thing that I have never. That's, like, I don't know anything about baseball. I mean, that's Nothing. the point of this whole right. thing. This right. This literally why it's going to be funny because I'm standing there relying on my golf swing to be able to hit a home run off a guy who was like right on the cusp of being in the majors. Like, that's how ridiculous this is. That's the whole point. That's why it's funny. Yes. This is like, you know, when a reporter goes and like gets tackled by an NFL player. Same kind of idea, right? Funny because you're a reporter. Exactly. Yeah. Funny because he has no business be doing what he's doing. This is what we're dealing with here. Why do you have to call Jack Collinsworth out again? I didn't mention the... Jack Collinsworth. You did. When he got stiff-armed by Derrick Henry? Yeah, we didn't get tackled by him. He got stiff-armed. Stiff-armed. I was thinking about something else entirely. Oh, okay. You got to throw him under the bus. I love Jack. He's awesome. He does a great job for NBC. Appreciate Jack. Okay. Yeah, that's how you do it. That's how you. Well, you can't. I mean, you've already done the damage has been done. You threw him under the bus. I right did there. not. I'm just saying that was, was a good bit. It was a good segment for ESPN back in the day when taking a Derrick Henry stiff arm. See what it feels like. Jack knows. Yeah, we should have Jack on the show. Talk about that. Anyway, appreciate everybody for tuning in. That does it for our Wednesday show. We'll be back here again on Thursday previewing all of the week five NFL action. 